Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome back to our evaluation of hematuria in the ER patient. And we left off at the point where we spoke about non-contrast CTs and the role of non-contrast CT going far beyond stones to look at uh, and define lesions such as high-density renal cysts. Once we give contrast, which is the key to evaluating hematuria in that non-stone patient, depending how we look at the images, and we've spoken about this before, the images will look different and give us different information. And typically we talk about three different phases. Early phase, the uh, nephrographic phase at about 60 to 90 seconds, and excretory phase imaging. As mentioned, we do like the early phase imaging. It optimizes cortical versus medullary differentiation, which is very important when you're detecting certain small tumors, also looking at the vascularity of tumors, it's also the optimal phase for looking at arterial structures. It's ideal if you're doing partial nephrectomies and planning for that. It allows us to look at the vascularity of tumors, help define what's clear cell versus papillary versus chromophobe. We can detect subtle changes in renal perfusion. And sometimes the only time you will see a renal lesion will be on the uh, cortical medullary phase. Now, we talk about the fact that there's no one perfect phase for detecting lesions. I would guess probably the excretory phase would be the single best, but as I'll show you, I love cortical medullary with excretory phase to detect and define essentially all lesions. When you look at these two images with the volume rendering in MIP, you can see the evaluation of the kidney with cortical medullary phase imaging and the ability to look at the vessels and so when there's pathology present, you do get that neovascularity. And neovascularity is not just in the tumor per se, but the extension of the tumor. So whether it's the renal vein or the renal vein and then into the IVC, we can see this very nicely. Now there have been articles looking at differentiating different tumor types based on vascularity. And these articles have been around for about a decade. We have better data now, but the truths were defined a while back. This article by Rupert Kohlmeier made the point that there's a significant difference between clear cell, which averaged about 152 Hounsfield units, and papillary, which were closer to 62 Hounsfield units, that the accuracy of separating the two was in the high 90% range when 100 was the cutoff value. And it's important we know because papillary renal cell carcinomas, which are typically small, but more importantly, a low-grade tumors, hypovascular and have a better prognosis. They're ideal for nephron-sparing surgery, and truthfully, in older patients with comorbidities, it may be an ideal tumor to do nothing about. And again, the appearance is very much classic at this article by Brian Hertz makes the point. You can see examples. Papillaries can easily be overlooked on non-contrast CT because they're very tiny. When you have good cortical medullary enhancement, they do stand out, as you can see in this example here. They're also very well defined often, and so I do make the point that if you're looking through a study quickly and you're not really looking at anything special in terms of the kidneys, it's easy, as in this case, to just assume it's a cyst and not worry about it. So you need to be very careful. Papillary renal cell carcinomas are very, very easy to miss because of their size and their enhancement pattern. Now, when you look at the uh, nephrographic phase, the best thing about the nephrographic phase, or at 60 to 90 seconds, 
is the ability to look at venous structure. So if I want to look at the renal vein or IVC, this is really an ideal phase. And when you do it in this phase, your accuracy is nearly 100% for defining venous involvement by renal cell carcinoma. So for example, we could see with arterial phase only, it kind of gets tricky. You know there's renal vein involvement, but it's hard to define what's flow related and what's really tumor related. You can see surely the tumor goes up into the IVC intrahepatically, but not beyond there. You can look at the MIP for this and see it as well, but it's really the venous phase that really allows you to understand the extent, both inferiorly and superiorly, allows you to see that the IVC is dilated, the renal vein is invaded. Now again, the early phase works well, but the venous phase tends to be more accurate. Or in this example, large mixed vascularity renal mass on the right, you can see the renal vein is dilated as is the IVC. You can look carefully and now see tumor going up the renal vein into the IVC. On the uh, MIP imaging, you can see some subtle vascularity, but it's really the late phase, which really gives you a look at the renal vein, the IVC, and the extension into the patient's right atrium. Now, I do mention that there's no one perfect phase for looking at renal tumors. One of the issues with the arterial phase is when you have small lesions that are vascular, they can easily hide. So if I showed you this case, you would say, where's the mass? And I'm telling you it's the left kidney. Hard to see in the cortical medullary phase till I circle it and it's still hard to see. And sometimes coronals work well but not really here. And the MIP works well, but not really here. But on excretory phase imaging, look how obvious that lesion is. So again, uh, there are certain phases, there are certain tumors where things are ideal, but you must get excretory phase imaging. There's no magic to that statement. It's not only, of course, for renal cell carcinomas, but for transitional cell carcinomas. And if you don't get excretory phase, you're gonna miss lots of transitional cell carcinomas, as well as missing some of the classic renal cell carcinomas, particularly the uh, clear cell small lesions. Now, when we do CTRography, which is the term for looking at the excretion of contrast by the kidney, there were many different protocols used, but now as we're careful about dose, we limit the protocols to one. We like to give the patient lots of water. We like to uh, go at about four or five minutes, typically no more than five minutes, because if we wait longer, the contrast gets denser, and then the 3D images are indeed very noisy. Just like with suspected renal cell, if you want to look at the renal pelvis and collecting system and ureters, you need to go beyond axial imaging to coronals and sagittals and 3D imaging. When you do things correctly, in better than 90% of cases, you're going to get a great study, as Dr. Kawamoto has shown previously. It won't always be this good with the duplication of the left collecting system, but it will be good. And as I mentioned, waiting too long doesn't help. Things could get too bright. You can hide lesions. And not to mention also from workflow, if you wait five minutes rather than 10, it saves five minutes a case. We do 40 cases plus on a scanner, that saves you two hours. It's very, very impressive in terms of time saving. 
Now, when you speak about urothelial tumors, it's about 10 to 15% of all renal tumors with about 90% being transitional cell. Age range, not much different from renal cell, sixth to seventh decade of life. More common in males than females. And the thing about transitional cell, these tumors are metachronous, both at presentation as well as recurrence. Article way back when by Vikram, nearly two to four percent of patients with bladder cancer develop upper urinary tract TCC, but 40% of patients with upper tract TCC develop bladder cancer. So it's more common in that direction. TCCs are often hard to detect, as this article by Prando makes the point. When they're large, they're easy to see, but when they're small, it must just be an amputation of a tiny calyx, very easy to miss. When you talk about the CT findings, we go from single or multiple filling defects that compress the sinus fat to pelvic hill seal irregularities, usually stricture-like, to diffuse mural thickening, to calyceal amputation, to tumor-filled distended calyces. And we'll look at a few examples. Here's a good case. You look at the right kidney, and there's something in the center of the kidney. What is that? Let me circle it for you. You can see it. And see it again in the coronal, but what is it? I don't know. It's hypovascular is what I do know. But sure enough, if you wait to the excretory phase, look how obvious that lesion is now. Look at the distortion and destruction of the renal pelvis and calyces. The mid to upper pole is invaded and distorted. Very classic for transitional cell, which is even better seen when I go to the 3D mapping. Look at the upper pole and mid pole calyces markedly destroyed classic transitional cell carcinoma. Now sometimes it can be subtle. You could miss TCCs surely on non-contrast scans, even subtle with contrast as in this case, where if you then put it in the coronal view, one would admit that's somewhat subtle. Let me circle it again. You can see it when you know it's there, but it's easy to miss. And so now when you go to venous phase and then excretory phase, you can see the lesion a bit better. You could put it into 3D, and now you see the invasion of the renal pelvis, inferior aspect, and the amputation of the lower pole calyxes. Very nice example showing you how subtle things are in part because you don't really appreciate what you're missing. And there it is in the lower pole calyx is gone. Classic transitional cell carcinoma. Now, I mentioned about the dangers of non-contrast scans. Here's a good example. A key thing to look at with non-contrast, in this case, the left renal pelvis looks a bit full. The left kidney looks scarred. You need to worry something's going on. You give IV contrast. The left kidney does not enhance as well as the right. And when you look quickly, perhaps this patient has a UPJ. And here is the 3D view. Maybe it's just a UPJ. But when you look more carefully, the proximal left ureter is thickened, and although there is the appearance on the left sort of similar to the right, the right doesn't have dilated calyces. And when you look more carefully at the left, there's something strange about it. Now perhaps it could be a UPJ, but then as you look a little bit more carefully and you go from the 3D to the coronals, you can see the infiltration around the proximal left ureter, classic for a transitional cell carcinoma. 
it's subtle, but you can make the diagnosis because TCCs are often subtle, but it's the secondary findings, in this case infiltration and obstruction, that allowed you to make the diagnosis. Now, I mentioned a few moments ago that we'd like to wait no more than four or five minutes. Then people will say, well, don't you need to wait for the ureter to be opacified? Well, the fact is, even waiting hours sometimes, if it's obstructed, it's not going to opacify. The way I like to think about the ureter, however, is that once you give IV contrast, the ureter becomes like a loop of small bowel. You can see it's dilated and look for a transition point. So in this case, you can see the dilated ureter and renal pelvis, and you follow the transition point to that arrow. There's a definite transition there, then you oblique it, and now you can see the infiltration of the ureter. So again, it's how you look at things. Now, in terms of um, the extension and involvement, it's important also to remember that at times you can be confused with pyelonephritis. At times, that can cause thickening of the ureter with enhancement of the ureter, but typically the presentations are going to be indeed different. Now, in looking at the patient's dilated ureters, you can see very nicely in this case, the thickening of the ureter distally, the slight enhancement, very classic for transitional cell carcinoma. So let's, you know, when we spoke about tumors and hematuria, we basically spoke and focused on the fact that patients with tumors get hematuria. But it should be noted, and we all know, that patients with infection, polynephritis, get hematuria. Polynephritis is usually not a diagnosis we routinely refer to CT, but often CT will detect it when it's unexpected. It's more common in women, usually due to E. coli. And CT is usually used for complications. Patients' presentations, chills and fever, dysuria, make life easy, but that's not always the presentation. Sometimes it's hematuria, then we end up with a CT scan. Things that we look for, changes in renal contour, alterations in attenuation of the kidney, alterations in contrast. Usually it's decreased attenuation and decreased excretion of contrast, and then abnormalities in the perirenal space. Good example is here, non-contrast. The left kidney looks larger in different density. There's stranding around the left kidney. And here it is when you give contrast. There's patchy, decreased enhancement. There's inflammation in the perirenal space. Indeed, very very uh, classic appearance of polynephritis involving a significant portion of the patient's left kidney. You can see that you see the findings on the early scans as well as on the late scans. Now, in terms of polynephritis, we typically say that the late scan is typically best because things like the striated nephrogram are better seen on late phase imaging. I think occasionally you can miss acute polynephritis, particularly when it's subtle on the earlier phase images alone. Now, in looking at acute polynephritis, you can see in this case the subtleties. Left kidney isn't enhancing as bright as the right. When you look carefully, there are subtle, patchy, low-density zones in the cortical regions, very nicely shown there, and here as well. And you can see in this example, you can see the patchy enhancements in the patient's left kidney, but you also notice that there are striated nephrograms. And the striated nephrogram is such a classic thing for acute polynephritis. Now, 
in saying that nothing ever is only one thing. Stride a nephrogram, a cupilo is what we think about, but it can be due to contrast toxicity or nephropathy. It can be due to renal infarcts or an inflammatory or infiltrative process, and it can be due to TCC. And here's just a nice example of a strided nephrogram involving both kidneys, very, very classic. Now, I mentioned before about the dangers of non-contrast scans. As I mentioned, polynephritis will be missed without IV contrast. Here's a transplant kidney, large kidney. You would worry about infection, but I don't see much in the non-contrast. When I give contrast, look at the patchy enhancement, zones of decreased enhancement, striated nephrograms, and the like. Very classic for acute polynephritis. Here's a few more views. So again, a very, very classic presentation. Cortical medullary phase shows it best, but the later phase imaging also shows that decrease and the striated nephrogram, the changes in enhancement become also critical. Now, there are other things we can speak about in terms of infection uh, because there are complications, including renal abscess. But why don't we take a break here and come back in a few minutes? Thanks a lot.